The dark and macabre have intrigued us for years, but are their bewitching powers waning? The old greats such as Poe, Lovecraft, and Hitchcock have long since passed into the void. The masters of the 1970s like James Herbert and George Romero are gone. Stephen King and John Carpenter are in their twilight years. So where does that leave the current state of horror? The future is bright and author Thomas Gloom hopes to unveil this truth by discussing the genre's past and present. Settle back, get comfortable, and remember to leave a light on as you enter into the gloom. Novels are powerful. And sometimes they reach a certain status and become immortal in the pop culture zeitgeist. When Peter Benchley wrote Jaws, there was no way he could have predicted the success that this shark story would have. The book was released in 1974, and since then, it's gone on to spur a hit movie, which then expanded into three sequels a video game, a theme park ride, and a merchandise empire. I personally blame the film for my fear of the ocean and sharks, and the story has inspired many other authors and directors to create art in a similar vein. Whether we are talking about Deep Blue Sea, Open Water, Meg, or even Sharknado, it's hard to look at any shark film or book that came out after 1975 and not see the teeth marks of Jaws all over it. Whether it's the book or the movie franchise, the tale of Jaws has filled fans with wonder, fear, and excitement for decades. And since Deep Sea and Underwater Horror has been making a bit of a comeback as of late. It just felt right to deep dive into this iconic classic. On today's episode of the Into the Gloom podcast, we're discussing both the book and the film adaption for Jaws. I'll be interviewing my spooky friend and fellow horror author, Jay Alexander. Join us, dear listeners as we discuss the icon that led to an entire generation's fear of the water. Welcome, Jay. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm excited about this. I've been looking forward to this uh, for, for quite some time. And I see that you are ready to go. You have yeah, some sharks yeah. on your shirt. I do, yes. Yeah, favorite shirt. Of course it is, yes. <laughs> My partner, she got me this. She knows me too well. Nice. Very on brand for the discussion today. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to go ahead and jump right into the deep end. What was your intro to Jaws? Was it through the book or the movie first? Wow. Okay, that is, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool, though, that you got to experience the original later on, um, mm. because my my favorite horror movie is Halloween. Most people know that. I talk about it fairly incessantly. But 
that was not my introduction to the Halloween franchise. Mm-hmm. I actually, <laughs> I saw Halloween Resurrection first. So Ooh. it's a miracle <laughs> that I continued watching the other yeah, ones of the yeah. franchise. But even from there, <laughs> I saw Halloween 2, I saw Halloween 4, Halloween yeah. 5, Halloween 3, before I ever watched the yeah. original. And the way that I saw the original too is kind of cool because I rented it from a library. This was when, at least here in the U.S., when they first started including DVDs, movies in the library, and you could rent them out. And so I rented the original Halloween. And yeah, like I said, I'd already seen a bunch of them by that point. You, you know, you don't meet the hero and then find out all the shady stuff they've done. You kind of know what you're going into and uh, it gets better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, everybody has a different entrance into their mm. favorite franchise, um, especially when you start talking about movies that were adapted from a novel or yeah. a story yeah. of, of some sort. So you saw Jaws 2. And then you saw the yeah. others, you you eventually saw the original, but then you read the book after seeing all of those. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. was your Long impression power. of the book in, in comparison <laughs> to the movie? It was uh, I mean, it's 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 a weird one. It's a really great book, and I, I do actually like it a lot. It's just um it's it's one of those rare ones where the, the book is not as good as the movie and it's because they're they're two completely different things it's basically exactly the same story um but because of of certain tiny things that tiny uh that were changed it is completely different um i do not like some parts of the book um (laughs) but you know it's it, it is a good read and it's interesting to see the differences and see how it works and you know some parts of it work better um but as a whole, not so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just I reread the book fairly recently in preparation for this chat, and I was I was yeah. DMing you some on Instagram <laughs> with yeah. some of the stuff that I had <laughs> forgotten about in the book. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a great story. I I feel yeah. that it's written very well. The characters are there's a lot of depth there. Oh yeah. But there are no pun intended. Yeah, there are. I don't know how else to describe it other than just to say there are a number of cringy moments in the book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's no disrespect to the author because without him, we wouldn't have this. And he's obviously just this amazing author and he's done so many other good like Island and and Beast. Um, White Shark is a good one, if that's even the title of that. And, you know, is a very sensitive kind of, or, or became sensitive to the issues around kind of fearing sharks after. Um, and I've got a lot of respect for him, but he wrote some really horrible scenes in that book that just shouldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, that's the only Peter Benchley book that I've ever read, but I recently, or actually around this time last year, my wife and I went on vacation and we went to this like big outdoor flea market 
And I found some uh-huh. of his books and I found Island, uh, a hardcover version of it in fairly yeah. good condition. And so I picked it up. I haven't read it yet, but I do plan mm-hmm. on checking it out. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you should. It's a, it's a good one. And again, there's some there's some stuff, <laughs> but it's it's worth a look. Yeah. 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 So now at, at this point in your life, you've seen the movies, you've read the book. Mm. which which do you for, prefer in terms of the original do you prefer the book now or do you prefer the movie i prefer the movie and i mean i suppose a part of that is you know i saw it first and it was but it it, it is it i mean it is probably my favorite film of all time it's probably a lot of people's because it just is you know it is what it is um it it, it is the book but better and you know there's no other way of saying it than that it's yeah i like the film yeah yeah there's no denying that the film is a pop culture icon whether it's the music from john williams which you know he he even openly says that he believes that doing the soundtrack for this movie is what kick-started his career yeah and The acting is tremendous. There oh, yeah. are just, there are so many scenes and just shots and images that yeah. even people yeah. that haven't seen the movie, they know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I could tell you the ones you're talking about right now because you just, everyone knows. You know, it's, uh, you're, you're exactly right. And I mean, uh, you say it kickstarted John Williams, but Steven Spielberg as well. That was his, you know, not first, but first huge thing. And, you know, without that, I mean, A, you wouldn't have got all the rest of, of his films. B, there, you know, so many things inspired by it, and not just like shark movies or horror movies, but so many things that reference it or, you know, took things from it. It's, yeah, just a huge, a huge thing. Yeah, it's, you know, historically speaking, when you talk about movies in America, it is still referenced as the first summer blockbuster film. Yeah. Yeah, I think first to make a hundred million dollars in uh, in theater rentals or or something to that effect, um, and at the time voted something like the sixth scariest film ever. Um, and I mean, you still get that debate over like whether it is a horror film or not. Um, but yeah, just massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's a unique film. It's, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a unique book as well, but the film, especially when you get into the soundtrack and, and Mm -hmm. what all it brings to the table, because there are songs that are scary. There are songs that are suspenseful. There are songs that are fast and slow, but then, you know, there are, are songs that are just pure adventure (sighs) And then there are songs yeah. that are just intimate and and heartfelt. Yeah. And it just it runs the gamut mm-hmm. of emotions just on the soundtrack, but then yeah. bringing it to the screen and and the acting <laughs> and the characters and the scenes and the dialogue, it all backs it up. But, you know, uh, yeah. it is it's hard to just for me, at least to just label it as a horror movie because it's so much more. I think beyond yeah. that. I would label it an adventure movie, but that doesn't take yeah. away the fact that there is a 
ton of horror and the kind of horror that at least for me has really <laughs> stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that you'll get a lot of people who who would say it's not horror. They, you know, that they would say it's not because it was big budget and it's you know, and that's not. You know that's not the thing because there are a lot of big budget horror films out there. It's not that. It is that sense of like this is. I mean, it is. It's from the same guy that did Indiana Jones, and there's the same kind of themes going through it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it is. I I never, when I was a kid, thought it was a horror movie because you you know you you watch it and I think some things as a kid really scare the shit out of you, and perhaps they shouldn't. But you know, some things that that might scare adults you know you sit there and you don't necessarily get why so it, it has always been for me not essentially a scary film um just because I've, I've you know it's, it's always been there but I mean like you say that there, there are moments and there is an atmosphere of fear throughout the whole thing of course there is otherwise there wouldn't be a, a film but even if you look at the the differences between sort of the the DVD cut and the theater cut just the extra sort of, I mean, it feels like an extra kind of 12 minutes, but the death at the beginning, the difference between what was shown on DVDs, like the extra blood and the extra <laughs> screaming and thrashing, there's a lot more to it than, you know, let's go on a boat and, and hunt a big fish. Um, and I, I mean, now I would say it is a horror movie, but you can, you can understand, you know, it, it's not, that's not just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the horror and what that movie specifically was able to do, um, I I still don't like swimming in the ocean. Um, I I I have a great fear of sharks as irrational as it might be, um, but it all goes back to this movie. And I've talked about it before, but when I was a kid, it also gave me an extremely irrational fear that a shark would be able to bust through the walls of a swimming pool and get me. So I wasn't even safe in a swimming pool either when I was, uh, you know, probably between the ages of six and um, 25. No, probably until I was like a teenager. But I mean, like what? What? That film created that possible scenario in my mind. It, yeah, yeah, and I mean, if you watch them in the order I did, I, I mean, until very recently, I thought Jaws three was Jaws two, um, because I watched that as a kid as well, and the shark in this sort of water park chasing people, and then I mean, you get to Jaws four, and it's a shark that has the concept of revenge, which is just so. Um, but the point is, it did make people scared of not just sharks but water, and I mean, there was. Um, I mean, there was something I read very recently about like the um, the drop in tropical holiday sales after the film because people didn't want to go to the beach anymore. Um, and it's it's something that I mean, Steven Spielberg has said since like he kind of regrets putting that fear out there of them. And Pete eventually, who who wrote the book, went on some diving trip somewhere off uh, Mexico, maybe. Uh, um, don't call me on that. Um, but he, he saw just sharks on the seabed, hammerhead sharks, just dozens of them. And he just, you know, came out publicly and said, you know, I wish I'd never written in that book because 
the amount of damage that we do to them compared to them to us, it's, you know, but it, it did make them terrifying. And, you know, it was, I mean, you could look on it as a monster movie. Um, and they did similar things with with the rats and the film adaptation of that and, you know, killer bees um, and everything. They're just animals, but you make them scary enough. People will be scared of the, the real thing. That's that's just how it works. And I, yeah. And, you know, you brought up a minute ago the concept that comes later of, of revenge. And I think that that, that mm. happens a lot in these, you know, monster movies, but where the monster, yeah. the, it is an animal, maybe a larger than normal animal or more rabid than normal <laughs> animal. But to make them scarier, we tend to give them human emotions. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the day, when you look at everything that is living on this earth, like we are the biggest monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's um, it's that thing. I, I mean, it's something my dad always said. If you put a human and a tiger in a in a cage together, the tiger's going to win, unless the human has a gun. <laughs> and the point is, we do, you know, and that's that's terrifying. But the fact that we can be so scared of anything by pushing our, our fear onto it, like by making it scary, um, you know, that's that's scary in itself. But it, it, that, that is what it did. Um, and I mean, fair enough, they're, you know, hugely powerful and dangerous sure. if you're in the wrong situation. But, you, you know, you know <laughs> it is what it is, isn't it? And um, it's still a really good show. Yeah, yeah, it really, it, it really is. Um, so there are a lot of similarities between the book and the mm -hmm. movie, but there are also yeah. some differences. I mean, there are some scenes in the mm -hmm. movie and some interactions that are not in the book. And then there are some yeah. scenes in the book that were just left out of the movie storylines that were left out of the yeah. movie. Oh yeah. yeah. So I want to ask you, what is your favorite scene from the movie specifically? I am. Um, I, I've always liked this one. I am. <laughs> oh, oh no, now you've said it. Right. I mean, I like the, I like the name was down the chalkboard i like that a lot it's um it's probably one of the the best introductions to a character in any film and it's very simple and it's very just quiet and you know basic it's a really just simple scene but it's so good um and then you've got another of my favorites which is the the meme basically um the beaches are open and everything's fine. It's the it's the mayor who, like you say in the book, something's got a lot more. He got a lot more um, kind of behind the scenes shadiness in the book, which wasn't yeah. there um, in the film. But it's it's nice to see that character still exists. Like whatever's not going on necessarily on screen, um, that's another really great scene where you just see like the real villain, if you like. Um, if I had to pick those two, it's the it's the nails down the chalkboard every time because I, <laughs> I love that quite a lot. Yeah, for me, it's the closing scene of of the yeah. movie, and I mean after the shark is dead, when yeah. 
the, just paddling away yeah yeah and it just like it it lingers and they're sort of like yeah. laughing and the reason why though i like it so much is because once again for me having a fear of sharks having uh, some just thalassophobia in general um i would not feel safe and happy and relieved no. still <laughs> being out there just you know, yeah. holding on to a piece of a a sunken boat and swimming back to shore. That that yeah. for me is one of my greatest fears: is being out yeah. in the middle of the ocean and just having something to hold on to, where the bottom half of my body is in the water. And you know, when you're in the ocean, you can't see yeah. too far under you. You can maybe see 10, 15 feet below. No, yeah. And, past that it's just blackness um so it's you know the the music changes and and just the interactions change and it's very you know it's supposed to be heartfelt and and relief but i never feel that i'm always Mm -hmm. in my head like god i i'm glad i'm not in that position (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean they've already caught the wrong shark once in the film like what if there's three of them out there you know but it's it's it is set up framed like uh you know like driving off into the sunset that's exactly how it yes. looks but then you think of how much how much blue is on that screen and how much is beneath that um like how you're, much, you're right i mean usually with a, how much chum oh, is now in the water <laughs> yeah, still in the, yeah just swimming around there yeah. oh man oh it's um it's a good end and i mean a lot of times in films now you you get the ending and then you get a kind of 10 minute closer where they all kind of gather with family and they, you know, you, you're entirely sure that it's okay now because <laughs> you've had that, you know, that last scene after the last scene. Um, but yeah, you don't, you don't get that. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's great. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't learn of the, the fallout. Everything isn't tied yeah. up in a nice little bow because there's still, there's a lot this, this town yeah. is going to have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. okay so then let's let's move to the book what mm. what would you say is your favorite scene in the book i without wanting to spoil anything it would have to be a certain character's death um and i i feel like you probably know the one um and um, but it, it it was it was a big shock having seen the film and known how it ends and you know read this book that apart from a couple of things was so similar um and then you get so so close to the end and then (laughs) you lose not one but two and you you know you may have to cut that out because spoilers um but it, it was just such a shock to see someone that i mean book and film my favorite character despite certain things um and it, it is such a well-written scene. Um, and I think it's the first time that you you get that kind of mix of, um, in the book, you, you have scenes from the shark's perspective, like the very first scene yeah. is written just him swimming. Um, and this is where you finally get that we're under the water, we're seeing it, but it's the shark that's kind of telling that story. Um, and in control and doing what needs to be done, and it, and it gets done. Um, so I, I think it has to be. It has to be that. Yeah. Yeah, and 
in terms of spoilers, I, 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 at least in my opinion, the movie and the book has been out for long enough that I'm not going to worry yeah, about that. Maybe I'll, I'll put a little warning in the yeah. opening yeah. of this. So, you know, anybody that is listening now, they've already been warned that there are spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, you know, in in the movie, there's a fake out death. And in the book, mm. be, because for me, too, I, I saw the movie first. And then when I read the book, I was waiting for the, mm. the fake out and it didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, <laughs> shit. Exactly. The same. Yeah. Um, but for it me, does, yeah. in the book, my favorite scene, because I, I don't know, I have a a strong love for just like awkwardness. And so yeah. the the drunken dinner party scene, God, yeah, it is so awkward, <laughs> and it is just yeah. it's it's very um, over the top. But Brody, I mean, he yeah. gets so drunk, so drunk. Like <laughs> I, I, for yeah. me personally, I, I you know I I know it happens, but if I'm like in a public setting, mm-hmm. like I mean, he was at his home, yes. But like there are people invited over for dinner. There are people at his mm-hmm. dinner table. And for him to get that yeah. sloshed and then just to keep going yeah. and going. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just the words that were said, the things that were stated at that table. I'm just reading. I'm just yeah. like, oh, oh, you're going to regret yeah. that. Oh, no, you didn't go there. <laughs> And it's it's the fake out again. It's horrible because in the movie that scene is you know it's awkward, but then it turns into this warm kind of bonding moment. And in the book, you're like, oh, it's building and it's building and it's building, and eventually they're going to bond over this, and then they don't. No. And it's the same thing again. It's that almost shot, and it is just so horrible to just just read someone act like that, um, and still kind of reinforce. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it it goes on for so long. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So that it it makes me cringe when I read it, but it also just makes me laugh out loud. Just the ridiculousness of it, it you know. It's just like only yeah. only a very very drunk person would make those comments, have that sort of reasoning, yeah. and do those sorts of actions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And they'd have to be just drunk enough, you know, to know that they were doing something. Um, but yeah, it's it's not um it's not an easy bit to read, but it's a yeah. good bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> One thing that I really enjoyed, I'm hmm. I'm big on having like background music when I'm yeah. writing. And when mm. I'm reading, and it's typically it's got to be instrumental because mm. if there are words in it, sometimes you know I'll if I'm yeah. writing, I'll start typing the words in the song, or if I'm yeah. reading, I'll start <laughs> yeah. you know hearing that and, yeah. and miss what I'm actually supposed to be reading. Um, so I listen to a lot of soundtracks, and mm. I listen to the Jaws soundtrack while I was reading the novel on my last reread and it added so much just like it does to the movie 
Yeah. It added so much to just my yeah. reading experience. And um, I just, yeah. I can't say enough about that soundtrack. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, major, major Star Wars yeah. nerd. And so John Williams is, yeah. he's had a profound impact on me. Um, yeah. But, you know, you you get the music in the movie and you see it with the scenes, but there was just, there was something different about being able to listen to the soundtrack so many times because I usually, I do yeah. most of my reading in the morning. And so I would sit there and I would be reading this book while I'm listening to the soundtrack. And so I got, I got to spend more time with the soundtrack than usual. And it is just yeah. amazing from top to bottom, top oh, to yeah. bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the opposite when I, when I read or when I write, I have to have, um, you know, one earphone in, music, words, whatever, um, and then something else going on somewhere else because there's then so much that you can't entirely focus on. You have to look at what's in front of you. Mm. Um, so I don't do very very well just listening to soundtracks, but I I do love it a lot. And if I'm just listening while I'm out walking or something, I'll I'll put, you know, I have put that on and it is, um, it is amazing. But all, all people ever remember are those two notes. And you just, there's there's so much to it. And like you said, there's there's variations on it. There's even like different moods, obviously. I mean, but it, it is, there's a lot more to it than you would think just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. John Williams is a genius. Um, yeah. What's funny too is that I read... When Steven Spielberg first heard the soundtrack mm -hmm. and he heard that opening that just done done, <laughs> he thought it was a joke. And he responded to John yeah. Williams as if it was a joke. <laughs> and John Williams was just like, um, no, this is like this is the real deal. <laughs> um, so I find that interesting that even even for a a mind like Spielberg's he had to warm up yeah. to the soundtrack and now yeah. you know he also admits yeah. that the soundtrack made the film oh yeah 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 definitely yeah but it's, it's i mean there's so much like that behind the scenes um so many mistakes that happened that made this film and you know things that didn't go the way he thought it was going to go mm. um i mean even the casting of, of brody like he didn't I don't think he even auditioned for it. Like Spielberg had been auditioning so many people and he was so disappointed. And then he was just talking to Roy Chida and, and the guy just went basically, I don't even know, I could do it. Um, but like the the music, hearing that for the first time and thinking this is, you know, kind of kind of simple. And then you get a minute into that first song and you hear the, the rest of it come in um, and timed with what's playing on screen as well it's it's the perfect soundtrack it's 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 a lot yeah yeah I, it's iconic i can't i can't imagine that movie without that soundtrack all right i want to switch gears and go into some darker waters you jay <laughs> are the man behind ghoul and gristle of which dead sea press mm. is an imprint and yes. so far, you've published four deep sea horror anthologies under the Deep Sea Books banner. Mm -hmm. 
and it doesn't look like you're slowing down anytime soon. So I just want to ask you, what Hmm. made you dive into this particular venture? And are you surprised by the overwhelmingly positive feedback so far? I am, to start with, yeah, I I really am. It's been, um, I mean, from the moment submissions opened, there were just so, so many, and so many of them were were so good and had so much love put into them. Um, And I mean, even in the emails where people sent me stories and they they said, um, you know, even if it doesn't make it, (laughs) this is what I want to be a part of. I want to support this cause. Um, and just the the amount of people that were so personally involved with it and really wanted to be a part of it, it was really inspiring. Um, and now that the first four books are out, it's it's amazing to see how well they've done. Um, it it really is a surprise, and I love it. Um, as for the the why, um, I mean, obviously, I've I've always wanted to do something to kind of. Um, help to protect and conserve the ocean and you know with without having the resources and the knowledge it's all all you can do is throw money at the people who are doing a good job of it um and so raising money for things like this like if i can i will and that's you know that was the idea um but there there have been some people who have said it's it's a weird kind of um train of thought to think let's raise some money and some awareness about, you know, how we should be looking after the ocean and protecting the creatures in it. Um, and let's raise that awareness by telling everyone how scary it is. Um, but it, 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 and it's a good point. It's a really good point. And it's something that I hadn't entirely considered, but it, it came about the other way around because the thinking was, I love aquatic horror so much and I want, you know, to put something out there, some kind of ocean horror, because it's beautiful to read and it, it I love it. Um, but how can we, you know, rein back that, you know, the the fact that we're making the ocean scary? It's it's the Spielberg thing again. It's, it's how can we put Jaws out there and tell people not to be scared of sharks? Um, so it was the other way around. It was, you know, let's make the scary horror ocean book, but let's make sure all the proceeds go to, you know, go to the right place. Um, so all the profits so far have been um, piling up to be donated to the Shark Trust. Um, and we are getting there. We are getting to a really good target. Um, and I think we're doing some good with them. But that was the thinking was how can we, put out this content that might change people's perceptions in, you know, not always a good way about the things that are really out there um, and make sure that we're, we're reinforcing the message that, you know, there is good out there and, and this isn't, you know, this is fiction. Um, and that's that really. And, and that's how it came to be. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And I know that for me, from the moment that you had first mentioned it, when it was just sort of an idea in your mind, I was so excited about it because I hadn't personally witnessed anything like that. And to be not just a a charity anthology, not just a horror Mm -hmm. charity anthology, because those are around. There is just... There is something about the horror community that 
we are yeah. <laughs> giving, really is. Yeah. we care, but I'd never yeah. seen anything aimed at deep sea. And I think that after mm-hmm. you got the first round of submissions in, you realized that there yeah. was a need for this and a desire for yeah. this, not just from the charity perspective, but also from the mm-hmm. writer perspective, because there are so many yeah. stories yeah. just wanting to be told, but also from yeah. the reader perspective, there are so many people wanting to read those stories. Yeah. And I remember, I, I can't recall the number off the top of my head, and I, I won't ask you to recall it unless you know it either. But I remember when you when you told me the amount of, of yeah. entries that you had received, I was just like, dear God. First off, that's amazing. Second off, yeah. I, I feel very bad for you um, because that's a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of reading. I mean, it was, but it was it was really nice work, and still is. I mean, they're still coming in. Um, and I, I should mention, we've still got windows open for people wanting to send in. Like, please do. Um, and it, you know, it's so much work, but it's reading this this kind of thing that's so focused on something that you would think would be just you know the same kind of story over and again, but it is entirely different every time. Um, and I mean, we see. <laughs> We see a lot of mermaid stories, <laughs> um, <laughs> literally dozens every time I read through them. There, there are so many mermaid stories, but I mean, so many of them put a new spin on it and do something different. And I think that's because people realise it has to, you know, it has to be different or it has to be really, really good. <laughs> and it's the same with any kind of horror. If you have a series of books about one thing they all have to be different and they all have to be really good and i i mean not every story is for everyone but i really think what people have sent and what i've been able to put together from that has has been so varied and so impressive um and i mean the amount of stories that haven't been able to go in because there's not space but that really should be out there it's it's amazing to see um, and there is so much left to explore, and, and we will keep we will keep putting them out because uh, I think we have to. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just I'll go ahead and plug it so you don't have to. But anybody that's <laughs> listening, um, if you're a reader, you know definitely check out Dead Sea Press. But if you are mm-hmm. a writer and you have a a horror story that is centered around the ocean or underwater creatures, just go to ghoulandgristle.com. And then at the top right-hand side of the website, you'll see a link for Dead Sea Press. And you can find out all of the submission guidelines and which which anthologies are are still forthcoming. Um, so definitely, definitely check that out. Um, you know, Jay, mm-hmm. you you mentioned the mermaid stories. There's a lot of mermaid stories and I'd imagine there's a lot of shark stories too. And Mm. these, there is just something primal, I think when it comes to these underwater creatures, these underwater cryptids, these underwater stories, because, you know, I just recently finished narrating the audio for slice of paradise, which is a beach horror Mm. anthology and even in that, there is a shark story, there is a mermaid story. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was reading through that, I, I kept thinking mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I was just like, how cool is it that there are so many 
stories, but that there are multiple options too, because I I think there's some crossover. I think some of the stories that you have published through Dead Sea Press could have fallen Mm -hmm. under the Darklit Press banner and vice versa. And yeah, I just oh, I, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. really cool. And so the the more underwater horror yeah. we can get, the better at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and I should be jealous of uh, Darklit for putting that book out there. But it's it's like you say, it's amazing to see it and to see it in. And I think there's um, oh someone else is doing a, a a mermaid anthology all on its own at the minute, and there's so many. Um, coming and so many out already and it's it is great to see how much of it is out there um because obviously I love reading it as well <laughs> yeah yeah you know Brianna Morgan she just released the Reyes incident which mm. I yes. haven't it's yeah. on my TBR I haven't read it yet but I I do know that it's mermaid horror I know that much yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah on the long list but we'll get to it <laughs> yeah yeah. Oh, the the ever growing TBR list. That's yeah. yeah. It's 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 horror in and of itself. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you you took a chance on my story, a short story that I entitled I "Deep Purple," and mm. you published that in Terror in the Trench, which was the maiden voyage of Dead Sea Press, mm. and. <laughs> It, I've I've done a number of short story submissions and I've mm-hmm. I've gotten rejections and yours was the first acceptance that I got. And so I've been I've been on both sides of that table, yeah. which I'd imagine many people have uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have you've been on that side of the table, both with oh, acceptances yeah. and rejections as a writer and as a publisher, you had to send the acceptance letters and the rejection letters. So I guess, guess which one is easier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which one's easier. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I won't ask you that because I I think everybody knows that an acceptance letter is easier, but I am curious about, I know that everybody Mm -hmm. has a different process. So I'm curious about what your process is, what goes into your choosing whether to accept or reject a story in a specific anthology? Yeah. Um, I mean, it has changed um, quite a lot. Um, and I'll be honest, not all of it has changed for the better. There, there will be cases now where um, I'll, I'll read the first page of a story and if it's not good... <laughs> I won't read the rest. And, you know, it's a shameful thing to admit, but it, it is what you're taught in uh, in English. And, you know, from the first creative writing assignment you ever do is you have to, you know, again, no pun intended, but you have to reel them in with the first sentence. Um, I can't say no pun intended and then still say it, can I? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll allow it's, it. It's one of those things. <laughs> but, I, I mean... That is at the minute because there are hundreds and you you have to. Um, yes. If I didn't, I would spend so long reading every single one. Um, and, you know, the, the process when there is one that has potential and you, you can see it immediately is, you know, you read it so many more times than, than you need to. Um, and it's, it's a case of narrowing down that list and narrowing it down. And every time you take something off that list, it's horrible. Um, because you know that there is something there that 
you know, it, it maybe doesn't work for you or, or for this book or just this time. Um, and it's horrible to have to say no to people. But that, that is the process, is it's just you start with this huge list of brilliant ideas and you have to just get it down to 10 or 15 or whatever. Um, and so it's it's finding new things um, that make the good stories great and finding like different takes on something, um, entirely new ideas. And there are so many. So even that doesn't make it easy. Um I, I mean, it is just, it's just reading and it's, it's not just finding what you love, but what, you know, what you think other people will love as well. And there, there's so much of that in, in what I've seen. Um, and so much evidence of, of how much passion has gone into it and how much love for what they're writing. Um, and it is really hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just reading again and again and reading the same thing over and over just to make sure, you know, if it stays, it's good. And to make sure if you're getting rid of it, you're doing the right thing because it's it's not always easy to tell. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like you said, that your your process has sort of evolved and it's changed. And mm. I can imagine that the more the more anthologies that you publish and release, and the more that you get back the reviews the more you yeah. as a publisher will come to that point where you understand and you know what readers are looking for. And that is going to hone your craft in terms of editing and, and picking and, and choosing whether to accept or reject. Yeah. You would hope so. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, really, I, I made do, a mistake with yours, but you know, <laughs> I want, I do. I want to, circle back around i don't want to let you off the hook and in a good way because you mentioned that you know it is sort of you know is it shameful that i'm admitting that there are some stories that i i read a page and then just you know uh stop i yeah. think i don't think it's shameful i think that you know you are like you said you're to a point where you have hundreds of stories coming in and you have to mm -hmm. guard your time you have to guard your yeah. headspace and there are amazing stories out there that are gripping that have so much potential and you don't want to miss those because your brain no. is mush at the end of the day because you have forced yourself yeah. to be a completist i know this because i struggle yeah. with that as a completist i yeah. can be 75 percent of the way through a book and hate it and know that I hate it, yeah. but I still will feel the need to plow through just so I can say I completed. I'm yeah. trying to get better about that. Um, yeah. But, you know, I do think that you have, you have grown as, as a publisher of anthologies to the point that when you are getting a story in and it's not, hooking you from the start and maybe they aren't following the basic instructions that you have laid out for the submission guidelines. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's shameful for you to just be like, yeah. no, nope, I'm going to move on from this. <laughs> no. It is, um, it is that fear of like losing the, the really good one just because you haven't read it all the way through, but you do have to, it's like you say, you do have to A, save time and B, save, you know, your brain for the next one that comes along. 
Um, and if you can kind of see where it's going from the first page and see that it's not going to be right, then, you know, some things just aren't. And, you know, any reader that comes across that and thinks in the first page, this isn't for me, that's, you know, a chunk of the book that didn't work for someone. Um, and it is just, it's it's trying to judge that and, you know, never be too harsh before you fully know what's going on. But sometimes you you do from the first line. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard. We're getting better at it. Um, and maybe one day we'll be able to look at a book that we've put out and think, yep, those are all really good choices and nothing was missed out. Mm. But yeah, I'm uh, very proud of what we've done so far. And I would imagine that you probably get put in difficult positions too because when you are when you're doing an anthology with such a broad topic such as you know uh, deep sea horror that can come from so many angles there are so many different facets but at the same time you don't want five shark stories in one anthology or seven mermaid stories so I would imagine that you, yeah. it gets to the point where sometimes there are good stories that you aren't putting into yeah. a specific anthology just because they don't they they don't fit that specific one. I I know that I remember yeah. back when I interviewed Jamie Stewart, the way that he described it and mm-hmm. and putting a an anthology together is sort of like creating an album and sometimes there are amazing yeah. songs but they just don't fit this album at this time. And so they get left on the cutting room floor. Do you go through some of that too? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Completely agree with them there. Um, And I mean, we actually planned to do just three books to start with um, and see where it went from them. But um, I mean, from the very first one, the first one turned into two because (laughs) we planned three books with, 10 stories each um and the very first one turned into two books with 15 stories each um, <laughs> now we're working on books five and six and these are all stories for the next two books these are all stories that have come from other submissions calls that just you know they they were too good to to pass up but they just didn't work for the theme or there was too much of, of that one kind of thing um and you, you know you've got to put them out there somehow because they deserve to be read but it's um you know and and aside from that there are so many that you do have to say no to because you know there isn't enough space even if we did 10 books in instead of 3 um there isn't enough space for so many stories about sharks um <laughs> And it's difficult because there are so many good ones that, you know, just might not fit exactly or, you know, or or might fit too closely and therefore kind of match up too closely to, to some others. Um, and it's, it's a real shame seeing really good stories not go to waste because, you know, they'll be picked up somewhere. They have to be. Um, but it, it is hard making that decision when you know that, it's a good story because that's really all it should come down to. But it is like Jamie said, it's like putting an album together and knowing that one's got to go on the, you know, the next one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I can only imagine. <laughs> what what real life deep sea creature would you say scares you the most and why? It's, it's a real difficult question because I without trying to sound like too much of a oh I can't I don't know how much I can swear on this. Um go for it. You can say fuck without shit, damn. <laughs> without trying to sound like too much of a dickhead, um, I really love them all so much. Um, and I mean, there, there are some things down there that look terrifying. Like, even if you just look at um, sharks, I mean, you've got the, the snaggletooth and the frilled shark and the goblin shark, and these things just look horrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously beautiful in their own way. Um, reminds me of something my mother said once. Um, but you, you can't be scared of them because they are just, you know, they do what they do and they they just live, um, even if they are hideous. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, if we're talking things that actually genuinely scare me, we have to go up to, like, surface level because things like um, the, the stargazer um, that will just sit in the sand, um, this little blob of eyeballs and teeth. Um, and you don't know it's there until you step on it, and then you really know it's there. And again, it's just it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's hiding, waiting for prey, and then eating. And, you know, we do the same thing. Um, but just the fact that something can be so close, um, and if you're just sort of walking along the shore, it's got you. You know, so it it's hard to be scared of of things very deep down because they're so far away, um, and you know that nothing is ever going to come of that. But it's something that's just kind of lurking there, right on the end, uh, the edge, even. But I mean, there are things way down there that are terrifying, um, and I mean, you could talk about the the viper fish because again, it looks horrifying, and it can only get to something like two feet long, but it's it's got these teeth. <laughs> I mean, they all do, but, you, you know, um, th- there are things out there that are scary, you know, even if you want to love them so bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, something that you can step on and it'll it'll have you, that'll, that'll always scare me a little bit, yeah. Yeah. You know, jellyfish, yeah. they're not something <laughs> where I'm just, like, terrified of them. I have nightmares about mm-hmm. jellyfish, but I guess it's just more of a a healthy fear, more of a respect yeah. of like, yeah, they can hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. I know what they're capable of. So I'm not going yeah. to <laughs> knowingly step on one. If I see it on no. the sand, you know, that's no. washed up on shore. <laughs> um, no. And, but I, I will say for me, it's sharks. It's sharks. I, I, yeah. I don't, there is just something about sharks and maybe it was from seeing jaws at too young of an age and i know in my mind rationally Mm -hmm. i know that the odds of a encountering a shark in the ocean are very rare b that it would attack me is even more rare um because from the research that i have seen 
most of the time, people that are attacked, they are attacked because the shark thinks that they are something else. They think that they are maybe a seal. I know a lot of people yeah. that get attacked while they are, you know, swimming out, laying on their surfboard. And from being underneath yeah. and looking up, that sort of looks like the outline of a seal. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah. Yeah. it's still just something about it horrifies me, even to the point where yeah. I remember the first time that I found out about bull sharks and the fact that mm -hmm. they are freshwater sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was not good for me because I, I, I still had that irrational fear of like a great white yeah. shark when I'm swimming in a lake or a river or something like that. But in the back of my mind, I knew that that's silly. That can't happen. Then I learned about yeah. the bull sharks and I realized, yeah. oh, that can happen. And <laughs> they do happen to be one of the more, um dangerous yeah. sharks that attack humans <laughs> oh yeah it's um it's funny you mentioned you mentioned that but i uh i tried to write my own jaws at some point uh at one point and it it, it didn't work out i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't get it going but the idea was um bull sharks because you know i'm writing from a point of view where i want to write about where i live and and bring in experiences that i have and and when you're on kind of the Norfolk coast in England, you can't really write about sharks. Um, you have to go to like Cornwall to even see basking sharks. Um, so the fact that there is this shark out there, the bull shark that could, you know, if tempted, swim in a river, um, seemed like a really good idea to write about. Um, but I, I, yeah, it's it's that fear of, it's it's like you say, you know it's not rational, but there is that element of you know million to one danger out there that that does make them scary um like we i love to throw this number around even though it changes all the time the the amount of humans killed by sharks per year is is somewhere between four and 20 it's it's tiny um and obviously that's an average you know it, it varies but that that's such a tiny number and then the amount of sharks killed by humans per hour, I think, is something like 11,500. And it's, it's things like, you know, sport fishing and overcatch and, you know, um, sometimes accidental, but sometimes it is, it is spurred on by fear. Like we fear them, so we hunt them for sport. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be a constant shift the other way just because we've always thought it's, you know, the wrong way around. But, you know, even knowing that, you can't go in deep water and not think, shit, <laughs> there's, uh, there's something down there. Right. You know, there are way more, way more people are killed by deer than yeah, sharks dogs every year, yeah. whether it's, you know... Um, yeah catching the diseases that they carry or from the ticks that, that carry on them yeah. or the amount of car accidents that happen involving deers yeah. where humans die. Uh, but you know, there aren't very many people that I know that are freaking out about <laughs> deers. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess as people read more of your folk horror and Elkin, maybe they'll have different ideas concerning <laughs> some of the animals in the woods. Um, 
but oh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> as it stands now, I don't know very many people that are just petrified of deers. Like, no, we can't go out in the woods today. We might come across a deer. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, that the, it's astronomical odds of being attacked yeah. by a shark. Yeah. Yet that is a very common fear amongst people. Yeah. Oh, even, yeah. even people like you and I that do not even live within hours yeah. of the ocean no it's wild and it's um i mean i always used to see pictures of uh, there are certain like sharp nurseries where you can go and you can get in the water with them with the the pups um and i wouldn't you know i would want to because it just looks great and you want to get up close and you want to be the shark's friend but also you don't want to not be the shark's friend you know um so, you know, even me, I can sit here and say from the comfort of indoors, I love them. Um, I wouldn't get very close to one. <laughs> and, like, it's, you know, it is irrational, but it's helpless. You can't, you can't do anything about that, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of helpless, I <laughs> am going to take you captive and bring you into a place that I like to call the carpenter's shed. And here in the shed, I've got one simple, maybe it's not so simple, but I, I've got one question for you, Jay. And that is, what is your favorite John Carpenter film? I have a very easy answer for it. I really, really love um, They Live. Um, it's, it's very colorful. Um, for one of his, it's very simple, you know, plot-wise, not a huge amount happens, and the ending is, you know, a little bit, oh, it's kind of done then. But just the ideas of that film, of there being something unseen out there, and I guess that's, you know, it's the whole what's under the water thing again. Um, but it's 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 a really wonderful film and just the the 25 minute fight scene between um <laughs> between him and him and the other guy in the middle um just that lasts way too long but it's so fun to watch um i i really love that film a lot and the the design of the faces as well it's just amazing um i would like to give an honorable mention to the thing because that's probably one of the greatest films of all time but I, I do personally just They Live. It's the one. Yeah, yeah. They Live. It, it's great. It's very campy. Very campy. Yeah. Very over <laughs> the top. Uh, but yeah. I, love, I love the soundtrack. I mm. love the yeah. fact that Roddy Piper is, is the, the main yeah. character, the protagonist. And like you said, that, <laughs> that fight scene that just goes on and on and on and on. And it's yeah. just like the, the stubbornness from both of them. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's just like, just let it go. But then over here, just put on the damn glasses and, and it just keeps going and going. Um, but yeah, there's yeah. there's this almost like a, a 1984 uh, sort of feel to mm. it uh, that, that people are being controlled. Yeah. Yeah. They're being told what to do. They're being told what to believe, how to live, all of that stuff. But it's happening yeah. just below the surface. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. It, it is. It's a simple plot, but it's it's fun. And some of the stuff yeah. that happens is quite inventive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, 
you know, the the character of Duke Nukem is very much based on um, Roddy Piper's character in that even even going down to him, you know, walking into that that bank. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum yeah. and I'm all out of gum. Like, what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, one of the best lines in, in history. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in cinema history. <laughs> no, 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 I said in history. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, yes, I agree. Um, okay, so now allow me to take you by the hand and, and lead you out of the carpenter shed and into the king's corner. And I want to ask you now, what is your favorite Stephen King book and also your least favorite Stephen King book? See, this is more difficult. Um, I mean, least favorite, I kind of honestly have a a short list of ones that I just don't, I don't like. Um, And I'll be honest, a lot of them are are the later ones, like Revival and that I love. Um, But then Elevation, not so much. Um, I think I always feel kind of bad not enjoying some of them because the reason I don't get on with them is because they're less horror. Um, you know, some of his newer stuff is, you know, it's it's pure crime or it's crime with a little bit horror, but not quite enough to to sell it for me. Um, and I feel bad for not enjoying them because, you know, that's clearly what he wants to, to do and to do with that book. But um, I don't like later um one of the newest ones that came out um just because it didn't it didn't do it for me it wasn't all the way there um as for a faith <laughs> i mean that's even that's even harder um <laughs> and you don't want to say the obvious thing but <laughs> i mean you know i love ghost stories um so i'm gonna have to say the obvious thing or i'm gonna have to let you say the obvious thing and see if you know what i'm getting at the shining right yeah yeah. How many people on this show have said that already? <laughs> um, I can't recall. I think one, I, I want to yeah. say Jamie, that was the one that he <laughs> chose, but a lot of, a lot of it, yeah. it has been chosen a lot. Yeah. A uh, couple of oh, right. cemeteries, yeah. which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I mean, The Shining is great, and it is. It, it is. It, it's one of the best ghost stories, I, I, I believe. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it, it covers a lot. It covers a lot. And I, it I covers a lot. That. Yeah. It um it does a lot, but does kind of very little as well. <laughs> because it is, you know, you, you read it again now and it, it takes a hundred pages before he, he's even given the tour of the hotel, you know, and then by that point you're like, Well, how much are we left with for all these ghosts? Um and it's it's so very like beginning to end. Um, but so much happens in bits and pieces that come together just perfectly. Um, and I think it is one of the first that I ever read. I think I read about half of Dr. Sleep because that had just come out when I started getting into it. Mm. Um, realized it was a sequel, went mm. for The Shining instead. Um, and it, it was great. And there's a lot of stuff in there that, that I, um, that I relate to. Um, I, I mean, not to not to go into too deep a territory here, but I was rereading it very recently in the last few weeks, and I happened to make it to um, a year sober on the day that I reached 
page 399, 400 of that book. And it was the page where uh, Jack finally took a drink again. Mm. And it was a really, it was a really weird experience to, to be seeing the complete opposite end and, and knowing that, you know, it's, it is that kind of, it, it is a very real kind of horror. Um, and if you think about the ghosts in that story, like how much do they, do they actually do? But the, the horror of it is, it's all about the influence of them. And, and it is a very, it's a really genuinely horrifying book. And I love it. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, you know, knowing, knowing you and knowing your, your history and, um, I, I can imagine that it's, it's, it's very personal, uh, for you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we have come to the end of this interview, but I've got one more question for you. I assume that some of the people that are listening to this are listening because they are interested in deep sea horror And so I just want to ask you if you have any recommendations for our listeners, whether they be books or films, what are some deep sea horror genre films or books that you would want to recommend? I mean, in terms of films, you know, I'd go for immediately, but I also quite like recently um, Underwater. It's it's not for everyone, mainly because it's it's probably not a very good film, but it's a very good watch just you know it is what it is and i quite like it um i liked um into the drowning deep uh a book by mira grant um which is i mean earlier we were talking about mermaid stories and doing something different with them it is you know it is a mermaid story (laughs) but it it does something very worthwhile and it's definitely worth uh, a read um and I mean, one of my probably favourite short stories of all time is um, The Floating Forest. Um, I'm going to have to be careful about pronouncing the guy's name, but um, I think it was Herman Schaffauer or something similar. Um, but it's it's this, it is short, but it's a ghost story. Um, and just there are these descriptions of the fear of you know the shipwreck and and being out there and being followed um genuinely haunting um it's a really atmospheric kind of piece it doesn't go anywhere particularly but by the time you get to the end you know what you you know what's happened um <laughs> as dumb as that sound you know exactly where you are and it's 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 great it's a really good little read um that would be me yeah that's three that's a good number okay yeah i i saw underwater and Mm. yeah i i agree with your assessment overall it's probably not you know a great film but Mm. i liked it i i gave it a seven out of ten rating um yeah it it did a few of the things that I really like yeah. in terms yeah. of, of underwater scares. There were a yeah. few moments that <laughs> were really terrifying yeah. <laughs> for me. Um, and 
and yeah, so it, it, it scared me. It freaked me out. Um, so I, I can, I can definitely recommend that, but into the drowning deep, I'd never, I've never heard of that book. So I, I'm going to look into that mm. as well. And then I'd never heard of the short yeah. story, the floating forest either. Do you know, is that, that is is part of an anthology or a single is, author um, collection? I, I think I first read it online. Um, but I, I found it in a book that I have at some point, and it was um, one of the uh, the British Library um, horror collections with the, the fancy swirly covers. Um, and I think the book itself is called Oh God. Um, it was it was their deep sea one, deep sea horror kind of you know Victorian okay. and, and classic horror stories. Um, it's in there, so that that's worth picking up for that one plus everything else in it um but yeah you can find that one if you just take a look somewhere it'll, it'll pop up it's uh worth a look yeah all right there's another movie i can't think of what it's called it's some it's a number meters 47 yeah. yes 47 meters um mm-hmm. i liked that i i know yeah. that it's a bit the opinions are a, a little polarizing concerning the ending but I like yeah. the ending. I'm I'm okay with fake outs. It, it works in its own way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like the uh, the ending to the village. Everyone hates it, but it works. Right. Yeah. It fits. It fits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, this has been fun, and I've enjoyed. The, I'm not even going to say it. I was going to say I've enjoyed this deep dive. I've already, I've already, <laughs> I've used enough puns already. I've enjoyed this discussion with you. Yeah, and yeah. I'm imagining that our listeners have enjoyed it too. And if they're still sticking around and listening, they're probably waiting to know where they can connect with you. Where can they find you? So just maybe list off uh, website, s- social media, where you're active. If if readers want to find you, or if an author would like to send you a story, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always a difficult one because my name is is Jay, so it's uh, the word Jay, not the letter. Um, so if you want to look for me on Instagram, it's J dot writes horror. Um, if you want to find the website, it's as Thomas said earlier, it's it's ghoulandgristle.com. Uh, um, and you can find submissions on there. You can find some of my books um, and some upcoming things. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's about all I can handle running on my end. All right. All right. Yeah. You're, you have your hands in about a million different things. So <laughs> I, I can relate in some ways. <laughs> I know that it is like a constant tidal wave that is just growing bigger but when when you love a genre it's it's kind of hard to say no right yeah oh yeah (laughs) and they're within the horror genre it we are it's living like a a a second golden age and so there are plenty of opportunities to say yes (laughs) yeah oh yeah okay well, dear listeners, you have heard where to seek him out. Go ahead and, and do that. And if you've enjoyed the show, maybe take a screenshot from wherever you're listening, your, your podcast streaming platform of choice, maybe post it, tag Jay, tag, my, tag myself, let us know that, that you've enjoyed the talk. 
And Jay, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to chat with me, nerd out a little bit about Jaws and all the other spooky things that are lurking right below the surface. Thank you, Jay, for entering into the gloom. You had to say it. And thank you very much. Thank you to everyone listening as well. Appreciate that. Yeah, I, I had to say it. I can't help myself. <laughs> We hope this episode haunts your nightmares. It's been an honor to scare you. Be sure to subscribe and also follow Into the Gloom podcast on Instagram for news on upcoming offerings. Until we meet again, remember to leave a light on. <laughs>